Welcome to the Intentionist Podcast, where we explore the interplay between intuition, spiritual health, and everything in between. I'm your host, Amy Schreiber. And I'm Hilary Zwallen. Our intention is to create a dialogue that inspires you to consciously forge your path with curiosity and compassion for life and its mysteries. Welcome, fellow intentionists, to our podcast today. Amy and I are going to be discussing cycles, and we are in the middle of a series on cycles. And I wanted to just tease before we get going that Amy and I both get to interview Lisa Lister, who I'm like a huge fangirl of. She's a writer, and she talks all about menstrual cycles. She talks about ways to reconnect. She's written a book called Witch. She's written a book called Code Red, Love Your Lady Landscape. Anyway, we're going to be interviewing her next week. And so we wanted to just lay some foundation today on these cycles that we go through and talk about the way that they're applicable to everyday life. Right. So last week you interviewed Sarah and that was cycles kind of on a life phase status. And so this, we're doing it cycles by each day. And then, like you said, next week is going to be Lisa talking about the obvious cycle, the menstrual cycle, the moon cycle, and all things amazing and womanly like that. Yeah, she's so great. You guys, I'm so excited for you to hear it. Yeah. Okay, so Amy, shall we just kick it off with our with our triple goddess every day? The everyday triple goddess? Okay, so for those of you who are not familiar with the triple goddess archetypes it is the maiden the mother and the crone and these are these archetypes and and they're they're time periods we all go through that we recognize um that we identify on a on a collective scale but also on an individual scale oftentimes you know like we were all a maiden at one point this is our adolescence our young our youth our our young adulthood and then the mother phase is that mid midlife nurturing, um, caring for other people. Even if you're not an actual mother, uh, you're you can be in that phase where you're a caretaker, where you are um, a person who who is identifying where you're you're taking care of other people as well as yourself. You're you're nesting, you're creating family whether it's in friends or whatever. And then the crone is our, is our wise old woman, basically. It's, it's what we grow into. Mm-hmm. And that's a, an archetype that our society is kind of completely thrown out. Like we just kind of forget about them at that point, which I think we are doing a huge disservice to humanity yeah. by not honoring the, the wisdom that comes with age and how can we move into that. So we wanted to talk about how you can honor the triple goddess on the daily. So Amy, do you want to mention anything before I fire into it? Yeah, just the understanding that this is an archetype. So it's a pattern of characteristics that we can use as a tool to understand something about ourselves in these given situations. So all this stuff is reflected in nature and on grand scales and little scales. We're talking about the little individual scale here. Right. And also non-literal, like also not the non-literals. Like, yeah, like when I, yeah, I wanted to just clarify the maiden, that. mother and crone, it's like, yes, this is kind of what it, what it represents, but it's more the qualities of that time period, the maiden, mm-hmm. that, 
that youthful vigor, that innocence, that discovery, that naivete, the sexuality, right. and then, you know, mother, we're a little bit more wise, we're caretakers, these things. It's not a literal thing. Yeah. Let's say we're talking about the maiden, the mother, and the crone on the daily. We can connect these archetypes as we just move through our daily life. So it's great if you can notice, if you're taking an inventory of your life and you kind of step outside of yourself and you're if you're in something, you're in a situation or you may finding yourself acting like a mother, like maybe your go-to is to mother other people. And mm. maybe that's not, that doesn't serve the situation that you're in at the moment and it's causing more chaos. And so recognizing that you can step back and insert a little bit more of your wise, wild woman crone, or maybe it's like, Hey, maybe just let loose and don't feel like you have to be so responsible all the time. And you can, you can identify with that younger maiden Maybe, you know, women who are older and who are like, they just like won't grow up. Right. And it's like, she could, she could use a little bit more crone in her life. You know, how, how can, you know, so, so it's, mm -hmm. it's having self-awareness. This is also something really helpful to recognize the way that other people are showing up. And it's not the most helpful thing to be coming at them and being like, you're really being a mother today. Right. <laughs> but it's nice <laughs> to know if you're, if you're coming at it in terms of how can I serve how can I show up and support people when you're in, when you're mm -hmm. having conversations with someone and maybe they're, you know, maybe they're in their middle of their life and they're really struggling with the concept of aging, right? They're moving into this phase and you can really hear that what they're being run by is their maiden. And so you can offer support through that lens. So it's a way of, it's, it's a way to look at how can we help support and hold other women by recognizing what are some of these archetypes that they're connecting to? Is that making sense? Right. Yeah. And, and ourselves too. It's just like a helpful way to describe things that may be going on. And I really like the triple goddess idea because it's short, like there's only three. <laughs> and so during your day, you can try to consciously take the opportunity to embody each of these, like notice as you're reacting, but you can also like intentionally choose like, oh, I'm going to take this next five minutes to just play, you know, this is going to be my playful child maiden moment. Then maybe later in the day, you can be like, I'm going to nurture something right now. I'm going to be the mother. And then maybe later you're going to go inside, quiet, reflect, meditate or something and do something crone-like. So it can be used as a model to like bring balance into your day so that you're not being completely run by one. You can make it more of a conscious goal type thing if you'd like to. I love that. Yes. So that's kind of a daily connection with our inner goddesses. Mm -hmm. Do you want to talk about sleep? You did a lot of good research on sleep. Yeah, I was, that's like the most obvious daily rhythm we have is our circadian rhythm, right? And I feel like so much of our wellness has to do with sleep, like how well we can master this and not fight against this rhythm. You know, everything in our lives in modern society is basically set up to destroy the circadian rhythm. The industrial age, you know, we have these machines, we have all this artificial light, and at least in, in many Western cultures, the machine is like the ideal. And so people started working like machines and just this relentless work ethic that is not aligned to the natural light, the natural way that our body was used to operating before. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I was looking up ways to get great sleep. And I came across this man named Dr. Michael Bruce, and he's known as the sleep doctor. 
He had a bunch of tips for how to figure out first how much sleep you need and then to get good sleep because good sleep is different than just sleep sleep. You have to have the quality sleep, which has to do with dreaming. I feel like I haven't had good sleep in maybe years. Like this is hitting, this topic is hitting very close to home, Amy. Please continue. Okay. Yeah. So apparently you need five sleep cycles per night. It just has to do with your brain waves and and you start light, then you go into this deep dreamless sleep and then deep REM sleep. So you should be getting five of these per night. And he says that to find your ideal bedtime, you need to just pick a wake up time and count seven and a half hours backwards from it and try that. And then note, note what time you wake up naturally, like having set your alarm or whatever and If you're groggy, then try going to sleep 30 minutes earlier. Mm. If you feel fine, then that's probably what you need. Because not everyone's cycles are the same amount of time. Mm. Like some people might have shorter than 90 minutes. So that's why some people can get like six hours and feel fine. And some people need like nine. Yes. So Mm -hmm. it's just a matter of experimenting Mm -hmm. and deciding. And it seems like at different times of life, it's the same thing where... You know, when you used to need eight hours of sleep, you suddenly can be fine with six. As you get older, it seems like it's just harder and harder to right. stay asleep. <laughs> so yeah. uh, there you go. Yes. Yeah, it's been really weird here because um, my son Lincoln, who's eight, he's been staying up really, really late every night to like midnight because we're in Spain and people just apparently don't sleep here. So right. Like you can't even go to dinner until eight o'clock, right? Right. Yeah. The restaurants are open till eight, sometimes not even nine. <laughs> but so he's been staying up just like along with us sometimes later than me. It's been so weird. I've been having him tuck me in at night. He's like, will you sing me a song? I'm like, well, I'm not, I'm going to bed now. So you can sing to me. Yes. <laughs> you, you tuck me in. But yeah, he sleeps like if he goes to bed at midnight, he wakes up at like 11 Wow! <laughs> the next day. So he's like on the 11 hour schedule. That's how my, my kids, I mean, I force them to go to bed at 830. So they go to sleep, they go to right. sleep early, but they have a lot of practice and school all day and they're busy and then they have to get up early for school and they usually wake themselves up at like 645, between 645 and 730. So they're on like 11, they do like 11 hours. Yeah, it's like 11. And I find if they don't get 11 hours because they're growing, they're only six and eight. They're so grumpy. So yeah, it's, it's the worst. Like they have to sleep or else the rest of us really suffer. Yeah. Sleep. Other sleep tips, no caffeine after 2 PM. And if you drink alcohol, give an hour between each drink and your bedtime. Mm. So if you're having like two glasses of wine at night, you need to like wait two hours after that to go to sleep. Really? because alcohol interferes with your sleep cycles. And then get 15 minutes of direct sunlight within 30 minutes of waking up. That's interesting. I definitely do not do that. Mm -hmm. The only time that I remember this being the case was in Washington. I would have to, when we lived there a couple years ago, I would have to walk Lincoln to the bus in the mornings. And so there's always bright light like poking Mm -hmm. out through the trees, which was, I think, totally prevented seasonal affective disorder because the sun would be hidden behind the clouds for the rest of the Mm. day. But I got that little five minutes of bright light in the morning was enough to keep me happy enough for that time. I think that's so smart because I usually roll out of bed and then I'm just like, doing the morning routine with my kids. And then if they leave, I go like straight upstairs and I start writing or I'm working on stuff until 
basically lunchtime. I don't really get out of the house until after lunch. That's an interesting yeah. idea, though. But I, uh, anytime I do, I'm always like, why don't I do this more often? So that's that's a great. That's a really. Mm-hmm. It's funny how sometimes just these little tips are so revelatory in the moment. It's like that's such a right. simple shift that could maybe make a really big difference. I know for me, I've had the biggest issues with sleep. And so I've been trying all kinds of stuff. And I've noticed that what helps me the most, well, I went on this tear where I couldn't sleep for like two weeks. And what I realized, this is, this brings me to a point of like, beware of your supplementation, because I am on a lot of different Mm -hmm. supplements. I was put on some adrenal supplement and there were all these adaptogenic herbs and I was taking this and I'm like, I'm not sleeping at night, but I have all this energy. I don't know what's going on. Like I literally am up all night. Just, I can't sleep. And then I wake up in the morning and I'm, I'm exhausted, but I can like still, I'm going like crazy. And then I realized that I started doing research on like these blends and this one blend Mm -hmm. that I was using had ashwagandha and cordyceps, which are like, even to me, they're like stronger than caffeine. And so it would be like me taking a cup of coffee, like right before bed and then being like, why can't I sleep? (laughs) So for those of you that are listening, uh, because adaptogenic herbs are kind of all the rage I see on the wellness blogs and stuff that I follow, everybody's Uh drinking adaptogenic herbs and putting them in their smoothies. Be really mindful of the amounts that you're using and and understand that they are really powerful. Well, time of day that you're taking them. Yeah. And I think too, as you clean up your diet, if that's what you do, then your body's even more sensitive to that stuff. You know, I'm not a big, I don't really drink alcohol and I don't really have, I don't, I can't even really drink caffeine as much as I love coffee. I just can't do it because I get so jittery. So when I do have anything that's kind of an upper, it's just like, Whoa, I'm a mess. So, um, <laughs> well, that's a good so yeah, so that tale. was actually really helpful. And the other thing I've noticed is if I just, I have to turn my phone off at nine, I have an alarm on my phone where I like, I cannot get on it. Like I can't be scrolling through um, social media, I can't be doing any of that. And it, it really doesn't even serve me too much to watch movies and stuff at night. I just have to read. If I read, then I can go to sleep pretty easy. Yeah, that's what I have to do too. Yeah. I've got to have like 30 minutes of book time or else I'm in trouble, which has been good for me. Cause I feel like I'm getting way smarter because <laughs> I'm reading a lot of books. Yeah. Books are good. Uh, <laughs> yeah. My husband's the movie guy and he can't fall asleep unless he's watching a movie, which is opposite of what they say, because they say that the red light or the blue light on computers mimics daylight. So that's why you shouldn't be on your screens before bed. But there's actually a software I learned from this sleep doctor guy as well called Flux Software. It's F dot L-U-X. Wow. And you can put it on your computer and it actually changes the, the light being emitted to red light, which is more sleep friendly. And he also said that the the night system or the night setting on your phone and iPad, like that doesn't do anything. <laughs> like it's still blue light that's coming right. out. Right. Makes sense. I mean, I totally notice it affects me. Yeah. The few more things he said was that to take naps, like the ideal nap time is between 20 and 25 mm-hmm. minutes. And that if you nap in the morning, that can boost memory and creativity. If you do the afternoon siesta, that can boost alertness. And evening naps are for focus. Oh. So yeah, I thought he had some good good tips I wish there. I could nap. Can you can you lay down and nap? My husband can sit down anywhere and close his eyes and take a nap. And I'm so jealous. I I'm a pretty good napper. I don't do it often, mm-hmm. but I, I probably do it a couple times a month. Oh, so great. 
But I usually, but I nap for like two hours. <laughs> so it's like not really mm. the recommended. But. Yes. So there is like a major link I was also reading between fatigue, insomnia, and depression, which I know that you can attest to having like had this severe lack of sleep yes. lately. It's true. <laughs> I can I can just say yes. Yes, that's true. Okay, go ahead. Sorry. Well, the other person, um, when I interviewed Letty Cooper on self-love, she talked about how she's really struggled with depression and her triggering is lack yes. of sleep. And so she knows that she can just needs to go to bed. Like we are so used to just running ourselves ragged, mm -hmm. I think it's easy to do in our culture that, yeah, something that seems simple, but also if you've ever experienced insomnia, it can be like so horribly frustrating. Yes. But that has to do with with the REM, like the loss of mm. dreaming. And this this guy I was reading, Ruben Naiman mm. is, I think how you say his name, but he said that, that dream loss is the most critical overlooked sociocultural force in the etiology of depression. And that most of us are at least as dream deprived as we are sleep deprived because we live in a world that dismisses the value of dreaming. And this posture is clearly evident in our blatant disregard for the REM suppressant effects of many commonly used medications, including many sleeping pills, most tranquilizers, and virtually all antidepressants. Mm. So he's saying that the very thing that we treat depression with is suppressing our dreams even more, which is this vicious cycle. Oh, it's so hard. And he just, I love, I love that he describes dreaming as this psychological yoga mm. that expands constricted consciousness. Like our dreams, we play out these, these huge dramas with all these emotions and, and no one really knows like exactly what's going on in dreaming, but just that it's like hugely helpful to our health. And that when we don't have these this dream time it it causes disease and disorder wow. so that's really interesting I think I, I mean I I don't dream too often and when I do I'm always so happy that I did I always feel great the next day mm -hmm. and I often think of how you know just how important even the messages are in your dreams even if it's just kind of off the wall weird stuff you know even if it's just yeah. kind of like that dream made no sense to just reflect on it and think well, what, what is my subconscious conjuring up from the day's events? Like, what am I, what am I afraid of? What am I, what's bothering me? What's, it's such an interesting indicator. Yeah, definitely. I love, I love using dreams as kind of like a little gateway into the brain and try to have fun, like interpreting them. This guy says that like, simply knowing that dreams are meaningful is more important than knowing the actual meaning of the particular yes. dreams like as fun as interpretation that is. That really goes towards anything, right? Like signs in nature, synchronicities. Mm -hmm. It's more like, what does it mean to you, right? Than looking outside of yourself and saying, well, what, what, is, what do the experts think? Right. Well, and just the noticing it itself, you know, that's just like the mindfulness. And I find, do you ever try to remember your dreams? Like before you go to sleep, set an intention. I'm going to remember my dream tomorrow. Do you ever try that? I have. I don't do it every night, but when, now that we're talking about it, I'm thinking I need to do that again. But yes, I have mm -hmm. done that in the past and it does work. It's crazy how much it works. Like it does when, when you do sit before you go to bed and you just think about it, like, okay, what are, what are any, you know, messages I want to get in my dreams? What are, you know, you ask yourself kind of 
show, show me what I need to work on. Show me what's up for me. I just want to remember my dream. Yeah. And, and it doesn't always happen like the first night, mm-hmm. but I've, I've done it in the past where I've, you know, done it for a few weeks at a time and it does become reg- a more of a regular habit. Yeah. It's like a little dreaming memory muscle. And every time I remember do, I've been remembering to do it like these last two weeks, most nights, or I've remembered more dreams than I have in a while. So very exciting Yay. business, the dreams. Any Anything more to say on the sleep? And I don't think so. Let's talk about the negative cycles and breaking old patterns. Right. So yeah, we can't do a series on cycles without noticing that as humans, we are entrapped in so many negative cycles and habits that just run Mm -hmm. us, you know, if we don't look at them. And the more awareness that we can bring to these patterns, the more we can intentionally select the ones we find constructive and get rid of the ones that we see are destructive. So it's just basic mindfulness, as always, is the answer (laughs) to everything. Have you looked at the blog Brain Pickings? No, I never have. It's one of the best blogs in the world, I think. This woman who does it is just such a good writer and she's just compiling basically all the most interesting and wonderful things like in culture and in literature and in science and she compiles them into these awesome articles so everyone who has not heard of brain pickings do yourself a favor and look at her stuff it's really awesome but I was on it the other day and she had done an article about these artists wrote letters to Vincent Van Gogh so Vincent Van Gogh wrote letters to his brother and these artists got together for an exhibit and wrote replies to the letters and they were just displayed at the Van Gogh Museum so Nicole Krauss she wrote one of these letters and she said in it she just talked about the human brain and how Despite that it has all this freedom, its default is just regress to this repeating pattern and how as humans we're obsessed with the patterns of things and the cycles of things and the mind echoes these cycles even though it doesn't have to, you know, but its thoughts go on in loops, she says, repeating patterns established so long ago that we often can't remember their origin or why they ever made sense to us. And even when these loops fail to bring us to a desirable place, even when they entrap us and make us feel anciently tired of ourselves, and we sense that sticking to their well-worn path means we'll miss contact with the truth every single time, we still find it nearly impossible to resist them. But to violate these patterns is, is what is most important in creating art, in living a meaningful life, and the thing that's keeping us from breaking these loops is fear. And the thought that we are predestined or that we have no other way of changing the way that we are, that it's our nature. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think right. that, uh, right. yeah, that's a very profound thought there because you're right. It's th- th- on the one hand, it's so great to recognize the cycles that we have. I think that because we live in a post-industrialized world and we are not living uh-huh. in a place where you know, like, like I can go to sleep at midnight because I can be up for five hours in the darkness because I have electricity. Mm-hmm. And then I, I'm not waking up with the sun in the morning because I'm exhausted. And I can be on a computer and I can be, I can work myself. I can work like way more even than I think our parents 
we're able to do because we have technology and we can send emails late into the night. And there's just all kinds of things that, that prevent us from connecting to kind of the natural rhythms or the natural cycles of the world. And yet sometimes we identify too heavily with the cycles. And so there is something about separating our nature with our desires and Right. Well, and I think the the really important thing about what she says is it's fear that keeps us entrapped, fear of looking at these patterns and how they're running us. I don't think I don't think she's really saying that to notice the moon and to notice the seasons is a a bad thing. Like it's our our mental constructs that we built and model after these things and let run us instead of being consciously aware of them, which is a scary thing because it's change, you know, it requires change when we look at these patterns and we see, well, this isn't serving me at all. I'm going to have to do something different. And yeah. And that's, that's what's unknown to us. The pattern is familiar, like the breaking it is not. And that's why it's scary. Yes. Yeah. I just loved what she said. Yeah. Something I've been noticing in general, just with my shamanic training and I've been really working really deeply with my own personal creative path. And I've just noticed this deep yearning with from from anyone that I'm really talking to. And obviously there's there's also just the obvious stuff that we're seeing in the news media and how women are just kind of throwing their hands up and like what do we do now? Like what now? You know, how how do we fix this? What do we do? And what I've noticed is that there's this real wanting for a new engagement with the collective. And I think a lot of that is how do we approach because we live in in a world that has been created through patriarchy. I mean, really like 2000 years of it or longer. And that now Mm. we're looking at, you know, when we get up, we're as women, we're kind of expected to, to approach the world in the way that a man would. Right. I look at my husband, he's like, he's so freaking consistent. He's so consistent. Like he wakes up, it's not like he doesn't have emotions or feelings or that he doesn't have good days or bad days. He does. But like, I am totally different whether I'm like well into my period or what day I'm on, like I'm different every day. And as a woman, Mm -hmm. I think we're, there's a lot of collective tension and pain around how do we relate to and honor our internal cycles and also show up in the world the way that it is right now. And so mm-hmm. that's just that's just an observation I'm making. I don't have the answers to that yet. <laughs> that's what I'm contemplating on the daily. I'm trying to figure out how do we do things in a new way? How can we how can we help to shift and evolve in in consciousness and and just our collective society? How can we continue to move in a way that is equitable for people and really and for women? Obviously, that's my biggest focus right now, what has been calling to me more than anything is just this, this idea of, you know, as, as I've been returning to myself and really reconnecting with myself, I just recognize how much there's this collective sisterhood that I think really wants to explore how we connect with ourselves on a cyclic level and what that means. And so with that, I would challenge our listeners to really contemplate yourself and your own cycle, whether it be menstrual cycles, or maybe it's the way you sh- you can use the moon as, as a 28 day cycle and just start to notice the ebbs and the flows 
of productivity, of energy, of desire to withdraw, of emotion, of our physical output, emotional, mental, and, and just how you relate to other people within that construct. Because I know for me, I have, I am just starting to contemplate myself in this way. And I feel like Mm -hmm. I've been a seeker my whole life. Like I've been pretty, I've been wanting to go, I've been wanting to dive deep, like my whole life. (laughs) So, so for, for, I feel like if I'm just kind of showing up to this, this feels like a new, relatively new concept. I'm sure there's people that have been doing this for a long time, but having with our background, with the the religion we were raised in and just where we were, were raised in the, the Western United States, it's to me, it's like revelatory, you know? Right. Well, it's one of those new old yes. concepts. So it's like everyone just did this naturally before, <laughs> before the industrial revolution. Right. right. But now it's something we have to consciously reconnect right. to in order to learn from it. I like what you were saying about the collective looking around and seeing kind of how what's going on with yourself, like your place in your own cycle, but also what's being mirrored on a society level. Yes, We have a prehistory museum around the corner and seeing like these ancient cultures, like this is why we study history, right? To see the cycles, the rise and fall of empires and see what they're doing these cycles of creation and destruction to like see how we can avoid the pitfalls that have been made in the past. What was, and what was lost, right? Like to, to recognize maybe some of the good things that have been lost due to extreme power grabs. What what worked for them. And then also not to romanticize the past too much. I tend to do that. I tend to be like, well, it was so much better back then. It's like, no, (laughs) I really don't think it was better back then. I think we're living in the world's best. I think we're living in the best time ever in the history of the world, but maybe not for every single person in every single circumstance, but by and large. Yeah, it's true. Every time I watch a historical fiction movie, I'm always thinking, like trying to imagine what it was like back then. And looking at everyone thinking like, wow, everything just smells so bad. Can you imagine? <laughs> I know. Well, and, and really just, I mean, we think we're oppressed now. I mean, come on. And not to say that there aren't oh, people yeah, who are no. legitimately, seriously oppressed all over the world. But I mean, right. it was like everyone, you know, there, there are people that are right. getting out. And I think there's conversations happening. And I think that we are headed in the right direction by and large. But it's like, oh my gosh, you know, when you really look at, the way it was, it's like, you know, we can't go too far back and go, well, it was just so much better back then. But there is, but I do think that there was, there are key elements of, especially when it comes to women, right? Things that were lost in terms of how, you know, I think this cyclic nature and society is one. Yes, just thoughts. So, so yeah, so I would just challenge our listeners to, to take an inventory on your personal cycle. And you guys come back next week and listen to the episode with Lisa because she's incredible. And I'm excited for you guys to hear. Very excited. Yeah, it will definitely be worth listening to. She will teach us how to unlock the cyclic superpowers. So very good stuff. Yes. And thanks. And and just before we part, first, we want to just thank you that you're here, but it means so much to us. If you, if you enjoy this, if, if the topic we were discussing resonated to share it with someone who you think would like it. We just would really appreciate that. So thank you so much. Yes. And have a great week. 
Before we part, we'd like to say thanks for listening, and we hope you'll connect with us on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. We would love to hear from you and appreciate all feedback, shares, and likes. To learn more and subscribe to our newsletter, visit intentionists.com. And no matter where you are or what you're creating, we send you love and invite you to breathe and begin. See you next week.